You know what, Jamie? Let's pop off right now. We gotta get started. <laughs> we gotta go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's get the people in the chat. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hit and Hustle from IrishSportsDaily.com. I am your host, Grateful Among, and with me, as always, is Jamie Uyama, Mr. Jamie University. It is Tuesday, January 9th, 2024. This is our first show of uh, the new year, Jamie. Uh, first of all, Happy New Year, Jamie. Happy you New Year to you. And your family, and to everyone listening in the chat. Uh, we've got some uh, we've got some unhappy people in the chat already, Jamie. <laughs> Pops is sick to his stomach. <laughs> Couldn't sleep last night. I uh, got no sleep. Coach Humph is upset. Uh, Mr. Sanders says he has manic depression has set in. Please c- come back to us, uh, Mr. Sanders. Uh, it's going to be okay. Joe Bro says Happy New Year. It's going to be okay, everybody. Uh, it was a bad. It's a bad. It's a bad f- football year, right? Uh, there's there's two ass that I have every year. If it's not going to be Notre Dame, no Michigan, no USC. That's all I asked for, and it didn't it didn't happen for us. Last year, Michigan wins the national championship, and uh, it's it's going to be tainted. It will be tainted going forward, and I think history will show that. And I think it's okay to talk about that, Ty Hildenbrandt. It's okay to talk about yeah. that there is a scandal. and Huge, they have alleged, huge alleged, Notre Dame fan, Ty Hildenbrandt. Yeah, yeah. So there's been an alleged cheating scandal going on for the last three years. It's okay to talk about that, big guy. So you can talk about those things. We're going to talk about um, – Kind of just put a cap on 2023, 2023 season. We're going to give some big picture ideas on Notre Dame and college football and where they're at and then what what they have going forward to 2024. Um, you know, what are they set up to go for a, a title run? I actually kind of think they they might be, Jamie. There, there, there are some flaws that I think are a little bit um, – uh, Rajon, you got to say alleged because if you don't, there's there's lawyers out there. There's lawyers out there, Rajon. You got to say alleged cheating. Uh, but I, I think there's some, there's some flaws on the Notre Dame football team, uh, you know, especially given what we saw uh, last night and just kind of throughout the playoffs and what you need uh, to to make a run at the at the national championship. But I think Notre Dame's closer in a lot of areas, and I think it's going to be a exciting uh, 2024 season. Uh, it's a new year, Jamie, and you know a lot of people they do their New Year's resolutions. New year, new you, all those things, and one and part of becoming a new person or improving yourself is is upgrading your wardrobe. And one thing you can do is you can go over to esqclothing.com. That's created the world's first bamboo dress shirt. It's crafted from high quality bamboo fabric. It's the softest and most comfortable dress shirt you'll ever put on. Not only more sustainable than cotton, but also feels cooler. Has stretch, is odor and wrinkle resistant. It's even machine washable. You've seen ESQ's one piece collar bamboo dress shirt on all of Notre Dame's all your favorite Notre Dame players and coaches. It's the perfect shirt for today's business meeting or heading for a night out. Use ISD 15 to get 15% off all online items. That's ISD 15 for 15% off all online items. Uh, Jamie, what's uh, what, do you have a, do you have a take on uh, yesterday's game? The, the, the playoffs at large. Um, we haven't done a show uh, since the semifinals. Tommy Reese, you didn't come through for us. It's unfortunate to have to have that happen. But uh, what what is your take on the game last night, the playoffs at large, and um, you know all those things in, in between? Um, like we kind of mentioned, just Greg and I were talking off the air right before this. Like Michigan, really, um, the stars aligned for them in that Georgia didn't make it because Georgia is the team that 
absolutely matches up the best with um, Michigan and is probably better than them at what Michigan is yeah. good at. So from that perspective, and then they have Brock Bowers and stuff too. So it's like they have that and they're, they're a more explosive offense too. So they would probably win the game. Unfortunately, they lost to Alabama in the SEC championship game and they got, uh, you know, left out because of that. So really the best kind of uh, matchup for them was Alabama and Alabama had to beat them and Alabama obviously didn't. Um, and you could say Tommy Reese did. I mean, he didn't call a good game in that game, but I also think like you got Alabama. Alabama wasn't good. Alabama this year, they weren't. Um, and they're specifically their own line. Like for Alabama to not even be a semifinalist for the Joe Moore award is like insane. When you think yeah. about how they recruit on the old line every year and they're just, weren't they just weren't that good on the o-line this year and i mean that proved to be the point they got whooped against michigan uh in that game specifically against the pass um and i think in this game it was just one of these things where Penix had to be lights out if they were going to win the game and he obviously wasn't close to that and um because they didn't match up well like washington's defense didn't match up well with michigan and even michigan actually like didn't even really play that well for large. Yeah, time. they had the, the explosives early, and then they did basically nothing for two and a half yeah. quarters. They they didn't really do anything at all. They had some good stuff where they, you know, they uh, did some, you know, unbalanced looks stuff. It, kind of similar to what Notre Dame did at the end of the uh, Clemson game where they were, uh, yeah. and then they were running duo, and then it just, you saw there was confusion, just they they missed gaps in, in the run game and in, in the run fits. And that was that. Right. And then just, that's why a guy's running there. It wasn't even like, I mean, they blocked it well, but it wasn't like they destroyed them there. It was just like, well, nobody's in this gap. And Don yeah, Edwards yeah. just running right through it. So I think, you know, that was obviously a big factor in the game. And the fact that like, you know, they, they had some bus in Michigan too. They just couldn't take advantage of it. Washington couldn't take advantage of it really. So, um, I think the one thing is that, like, uh, I mean, obviously, any true Notre Dame fan isn't happy today because of, you know, Michigan winning. But I think the way to look, the, the, there's two ways to look at it on the bright side of this, if there is a bright side. One, like you said, Greg, there's always going to be the asterisk beside uh -huh. them the entire time. Like, that's going to be there. And believe me, this is not going to be the end of what what happened in terms of like, there's going to be more to the story of this. And then obviously, like, I mean, Harbaugh's going to the NFL. It's just it's just so obvious he's going to yeah. the NFL, too. And who knows what's going to happen to their coaching staff? You know, someone mentioned about they got the 45 seniors on like a lot of those guys are, are going to be gone. Right. Some of these mm -hmm. guys have extra like 60 or could be super seniors or whatever but a good chunk of them are. So they're probably going to have like 15 NFL draft picks or whatever. Right. I saw like Jim Nagy from the senior bowl projected that they had like 14 draftable guys. So they're going to have, they're going to lose a ton and like they're still going to have talent, but they're just not going to be ready to roll the way that everything was set up for them to win this year. So they're going to take us uh, at least, at least a small step back. 
maybe even yeah. a big one, right? So, and the other thing is that you can look at it is this was the first year in six years. So this was like for five straight years, only juggernauts won the national championship. Like you had to be just the absolute peak elite in like every category. And if you weren't, no shot. You couldn't win. So that was Georgia with their back-to-back teams, you know, Alabama, you know, the 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 Clemson 2018 team, the 2019 uh LSU team, which was a juggernaut too. Like, yeah, you had to be at that level to win. So Michigan kind of got lucky this year because there really wasn't a juggernaut. The closest thing to kind of checking on those boxes was Georgia. And this wasn't, and, and it really was kind of Georgia after they had lost 25 draft picks in the last two years. So mm. they weren't, you know, at the same kind of level. It's more of a transition year for Georgia. Even the fact that they only lost one game just shows kind of where Georgia's at as a program this year. And obviously just destroyed the whatever, you know, squad that uh, Florida State went up, put out there. But, you know, they didn't have – this was the first year a team won without a super explosive passing game without like dudes at wide receivers. Like they got good players at wide receiver. I'm not saying Michigan doesn't have good players. The guys who are going to play in the league, they're not going to be stars in the league. They're not going to be high picks, right? Right. Corn Johnson isn't going to be a dude, you know, he's fine. But you know, if Corn Johnson was on Notre Dame, people would be like, Oh, uh, great. And that's it. You know, like he's not, he's not, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's not Jamar Chase or anything. Right. So I think that's where um, if you're looking at it and you're looking at kind of where Notre Dame's at, you're like, well, that is a recipe that Notre Dame, because that's obviously where Notre Dame has struggled when they haven't, they haven't had dudes at the skill positions. You know, they've been, you know, not quite there on offense. It's like, well, now you can kind of see a bit of a formula for that, and that was what uh, Michigan did. And you know, you gotta you gotta hand it to the players. I, I I give it to the players, not the coaches who knowingly cheated and all that, or right. you know, allegedly. <laughs> sorry, allegedly cheated. But um, you know, you hand it to the players because those guys went out there and performed. And I, I don't think, you know, I, I don't think there's a lot of like villains. Like Blake Corum isn't a villain you know, on their team, the villain is, is Jim Harbaugh. And, and, you know, you can look at guys. Like yeah. For that. yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like you just look at the game. Like I, I think Michigan was clearly better, right? Like they, they, they were better than Washington yeah. for sure. They, they, they scuffled though. They scuffled for two and a half quarters. And I think like, you know, it, it never got to the point where, um, like Michigan was truly in trouble, right? Like it was 20 to 13, and, and it just you got to go back to the holding calls because that was the, that was the part where the game definitely changed, right? Which isn't to say it cost Washington the game. It cost it, I don't know that because a drive later, Michigan or Washington had the big pass that led to nothing, right? It actually led to a pick down to the two yard line or whatever it is, right? So we don't know how the Washington drive would have ultimately ended, but the, it's twenty to thirteen. They get the long pass. Uh, to to Roma Donze, and then uh, it's called back for holding. Which I <laughs> look, I, I watched the whole game. It's that g- given what was happening, that is not a holding call for that specific game, right? 
It, it's the only holding call they made all game. It's just it's it's really bad. Not to mention the fact that then they have to go punt. Michigan's first play, they hit the big pass. The guy's getting grabbed by his shirt, and he can't. It's like you yeah. you can't that, that like we talk a lot about like selective officiating and why and that's it, the biggest problem. It was the tackle for Michigan too, so it was like yeah. the right tackles on both teams. So it was just yeah. yeah. So it's like the, the same guy, and you let one go, and you call one, and one team gets the benefit, and the other team doesn't, and then the game's effectively over, right? Like yeah. so that's. But like again, those are kind of the breaks that you're talking about, right? Where it's like you, everything kind of lines up for you, and every team needs this. By the way, it's not just a Michigan thing. Like everyone needs that kind of luck, right? Where it's like, look, you know, we talk about like their offense and their like everyone talks about how they're the best offense. You know, Bill Connolly, oh, the best, the best offense, like or the the, the SB plus number. Like, look. They they didn't do they didn't do much of anything on offense against Penn State. They ran the ball like forty straight times, something like yeah. that. They didn't do much of anything on offense against Ohio State. They got the turnovers. They got twenty regulation points against Alabama, and they're sitting there with twenty points, middle fourth quarter against Washington. One maybe the worst defense that's ever showed up in. The college football championship. Uh, Oklahoma's had worse, but it's like outside of Oklahoma. In the championship game. In the championship game, game, yes. Not the playoffs. I mean, barring TCU last year, right? So those are the last. But like, like you can't, you can't really move the ball offensively against Washington, who everyone's moving the ball against Washington. Like everyone with a good offense is moving the ball against Washington, and they're not right. But it lines up for them, right? And look to, to your point, like the players went out there. And they did the thing, right? They had a, they had a weak run up leading into it with Penn State and Ohio State, but yeah. one of the worst Ohio State teams in recent history, right? And and yeah. you pointed it out at the time, like the difference between Notre Dame and Michigan against Ohio State this year is Ohio State made or Michigan made the pick at the end, and Notre yeah. Dame didn't. And, and, and yeah. literally that, the difference the between the two teams, and so it, that's how it goes, right? And so like when we talk about you know, 2024 and how close Notre Dame is like, that's a good example. Like that's a like opponent that both teams played. They both played them at home. Right. And so it's just like, that's how you can gauge it. And, and so I think that with Notre Dame, as we kind of talk about Notre Dame here, like, you know, people talk, it's different now too, because of the playoffs, right. You 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 there you have to beat basically four straight in the way that Notre Dame is like you have to beat four straight top twelve teams in order to win a championship now. Yeah, and that's just that it's never been the case. Notre Dame has not won a playoff game. Period. So that just just the way that it's set up makes it a lot harder, right? And and I think just like looking back at twenty twenty three too. There, there, there is, and I guess it kind of gets corrected with Riley Leonard a little bit, but there's always that like physicality at quarterback. Like even, even uh, Stetson Bennett for Georgia, he's not a physical guy, but like his mobility was a huge asset to their football team. Obviously JJ McCarthy's mobility is a huge asset to their football team. Right. And then you look at my uh, uh, Penix, it's like, Great passer, but when it's time to 
get in a game like this, you can't run your quarterback. If your quarterback is not a mobile and physical player, then they don't have to send a bunch of numbers. They can just push you around, and they don't have to worry about the quarterback hurting them. And that was yeah. the case for Notre Dame last year. You know, in all the big games against Ohio State, against Clemson. I mean, I guess he did well against Clemson. He was, uh, Sam Harmon had his best running game that almost kept him in the game, right? Um, but obviously didn't have it against Louisville. And I think that is a type of thing that Notre Dame will have this year with Riley Leonard. And, you know, you've done a bunch of, uh, you know, uh, clips showing like how Mike Dembrock specifically has used the quarterbacks in the run game. How big of a deal do you think that will be for Notre Dame in, in 24? Just the ability to use the runner, the quarterback as a real running weapon. Oh, I think it'll be huge. Right. And, and this is even to discount, like it say like Steve Angeli won the job or anything too, because I right. think Steve Angeli will be used in the run game. If he is Notre Dame's quarterback, right? Like, I think Kenny Minchie would be, you know, like they, those guys will be used um, more than Sam Hartman is not, you're not designing runs for Sam Hartman. You're just not right. Like, um, you know, the most you're going to get is kind of what you got out of him this year. Right. Yeah. So, um, and I think also too, with, with Leonard specifically or Angeli, like you can run short yardage stuff with them. Right. Mm. And that opens up a whole different, you know, ball game of what you can do in, in, in certain instances. And um, <clears throat> so I think that is really big. And that opens up so much for the backs as well, because when teams have to account for it, it changes everything. It really mm -hmm. does. Look at how, look at how every game this year were Notre Dame's defense. And obviously Notre Dame's defense did a fantastic job with these mobile quarterbacks all year. You just, it's one of the reasons why they were so good this year is the jobs that they did and the plan they had for all these mobile quarterbacks. But, like, you have to have a plan every week for it. And if you don't, then you're going to get burned, right? And so it just makes Notre Dame a, a harder team to defend, a harder team to, to prepare for, all of that. And I, I kind of want to transition it from there, too, because, I, you know, the fact that they have Denbrock now and – and the one thing that I'll say about Michigan and what they've done in the last, you know, few years, specifically kind of like when they turned it around, they, you know, they made the playoff the last three years and they won obviously this yeah. year. The big thing that they did was look at the beginning of the Harbaugh era offense. He went back to his, and he was obviously involved in it. For one, he was more involved in the offense in terms of him running things on offense early. And their offense was like Tim Drevno, like, you know, uh, Stanford O-line coach. He was the OC. And then it was Pep Hamilton, you know. And they were in, a, like, a, they were in a certain direction based on what Stanford and kind of that that part of it and really the offense kind of took off when they made the move to Sharon Moore and yeah. so that was big and Sharon Moore is is absolutely you know his stupid speech crying at the end of the whatever game I think it was a Penn State game aside from that 
the guy's a heck of an offensive coordinator and he's a heck of an O-line coach. And he has absolutely elevated their offense. So they have an elite offensive coordinator. And on defense, Minter has done a fantastic job. Obviously, Minter was uh that just shows you too, like he was at Vandy, right? And but he, originally before that, he was with the Baltimore Ravens. And prior to Minter coming over, it was another Mike McDonald. It was Mike McDonald, the, who's like the, the best DC in, in the NFL right now. Yes. And so he literally was like, man, they went from Don Brown, Dr. Blitz, Don Brown, to going to like, you know, who's very specifically college, very specifically like we're just, you know, we're running my system no matter what. And then them getting burned for it to yeah. a pro pro level defensive coordinators that adapt and adjust to their opponents and are fluid with their scheme. Yeah. And that took their defense up a huge notch. So, and that's, so that is my kind of leading it back to, well, now, for the first time in a long time, you can say, wow, Notre Dame's got a guy at offense coordinator, Mike Denbrock, and they have a guy at defensive coordinator in Al Golden, where you're like, wow, you know what? Notre Dame has, they can match up with anybody at offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. And that ha- that wasn't the case. And that wasn't the case. So that changes things. That yeah. makes... That is one thing that I, I, if I'm looking at being optimistic about Notre Dame in 2024 and beyond or whatever, I'm looking at that part of it. And of course, that also leads into hopefully Al Golden doesn't get hired as a defensive coordinator in the NFL and sticks around. And like, you know, Mike was mentioning on, on Power Hour this week, it's like, Oh, it's agreed to, but we don't. You know, it's probably not signed. Yeah, because... like it's he could he could it, even if he even if he did sign it, I, I don't think that's any sort. Of, and we're talking about an extension for him. Even if he did sign it, what what does that mean? He he would get if he gets offered a DC job in the NFL, like he'll probably take it. Regard, you know who who it will be here. Will Fox asking like how confident are we that Al Golden will be here? Like. If he gets if he gets offered an NFL defensive coordinator job, he's probably taking that, right? So that's just it depends it. on the situation too. It depends like, on the situation for sure, but like the, I don't think he would be offered if the situation didn't fit. You know what I mean? Like yeah. people don't go and interview for something where it's like I don't know about this fit, right? So like, you know, how confident am I? I don't know. But here's the thing, though, right? <laughs> You just kind of said like they had Will that they had Mike McDonald, and then he left, and then they went with Jesse Minter, who kept the same scheme going, right? Like to me, if you have the scheme itself that works, and that the players know, and that the players that you trust the players to be able to do it, then a, a move from Al Golden to someone like Mike Mickens should work out. In theory, like there, there, it, it wouldn't be like the sky is falling situation. You have to go get someone else from the outside. Like you have an internal situation. That's what Michigan did. Yeah. You know, if you have and something you have that Marcus you... Freeman there <laughs> as well, you know, right. So if you have the scheme that you like and you have the players 
who can run that scheme and you you trust Mickens to do it. I, I think you have like to me, it would be in a way it would be it would be a a, a downgrade of sorts just because you don't have that experience, right? The knowledge that Al Golden has. But the in-game adjustments is would be the biggest yeah. question. Well, like it, it worked out, right? Like it worked out with Elko to Lee, right? Who Lee yeah. Clarkley had never called, but they had the scheme and they had the the the, the players and they had the, the scheme I mean, that they Moore right? was was exactly you know, LV, so right? I think I think it should be okay, right? When you have a good <laughs> just kind of base and knowledge of of what you want to do there. Um they don't have that on offense right now, but I think with Denbrock, it's someone that you know can teach it. You know he can teach it, right? He taught it at Erding. He taught it at Cincinnati. He taught it at LSU. And then those results were really good, right? That's the thing that you can count on. It's like the guy knows how to, A, like his schemes are good, like you've been pointing out, right? And you've been showing on Twitter. Like he, he schemes it up, and he'll get the offense into really good situations. He also knows how to teach that stuff. And he also knows how to get his players into uh positions where like we, we can execute the things that you want us to execute and that to me is like the biggest part of kind of all of this is like you got to be able to teach it and i think and i think dan brock is, is is a guy that that, that uh can do that right um what, what about the like let, let's talk about the offense right notre dame's offense just looking at it 2024 on paper right now obviously super early they haven't gone through spring practice but we're just looking at paper would you where would you say Notre Dame is top let's say top four caliber and get into a situation where it's like hey you win the first round game and then you win you know then you go into the playoffs that are top four caliber on offense like what positions would you position groups would you say that they are top four caliber in I mean tight end hundred um, percent yeah running back I do think like man I mean pe- I, you know, I know it's just one thing to get like excited about the bull. Like, I mean, Jeremiah Love and JD Price are going to be awesome next year. Yeah. Those guys are going to be fantastic. And like, who knows? Maybe Keedron Young or like, it. they're going to be great at running back. Yeah. Right. Um, I would say those are the only two positions that I would say, no doubt, they like, I, I would be confident they are like that caliber. Quarterback, I think, like, the whole thing is Leonard's ceiling and if he can reach that, right? Because if that's – if he does, then, yeah, then you're talking about, you know, him being there. And right now the offensive line, it's just a huge question mark going into the season where you just don't know – you know, how good it's going to be. Like, they're going to be, they're going to be above average on the offensive line. Like that, I, I feel confident in saying. Notre Dame's going to be above average on the offensive line. But above average isn't good enough to be like, you're actually going to. Right. Get, yeah. you're, you're gonna I, get I, into, I feel like they were above average this year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and you could even say like, they were like, were they top, they were a top 20 offensive line for sure but i don't even know if they're going to be top 20 next year we have to wait and see right yeah so a lot of that just depends on kind of development of some of these guys like 
there has to be there has to be signs of that in the spring where you're like oh this guy is at this level and this is where this guy is and you know in the spring to summer right like that's where you have to kind of see it because i understand like obviously notre dame is bring they're bringing back Howard cross they're bringing back riley mills you know rj Oban will be on camp like and it should be probably like a slog to run against Notre Dame's defense in the spring, in the summer. But if they're just getting, if the O-line is getting whooped daily, that is a bad, bad sign. Like that is like, you need to be winning more than, you know, not dominating, but like showing enough there. Right. So that has to be, where they're at on the offense like because if Notre Dame just can't be that team because at receiver I think they're like a year away from being at that kind of next level like there is always the possibility that man you know what Bo Collins now that this guy's got like a decent quarterback he takes a jump and now that Chris maybe Chris Mitchell's this year's Juice Wells or Jamari Thrash is like a group of five guy who got in the right situation and boom you know, so maybe that's the case, right? Um, maybe Jane Greathouse is just like pff, to the sky, healthy Jane Thomas, whatever. But it's like so many of those things have to click for them to get at mm-hmm. the level that there's too yeah. many things there. Yeah. So and so that's why I think like like and obviously too, people will be like, what about Cam Williams? It doesn't happen for freshmen, guys. It just doesn't. It doesn't happen for freshmen. There, there's very few dominant guys that are just right away. It, it flashes signs, but it just won't be at that quite level. What you hope is that he shows enough signs to do that as a sophomore, right? So that's why you say, hey, they're probably a year away, but I mean, we'll we'll see. And obviously, too, they're still trying to add in the portal. So maybe they'll get another receiver, too, that can help do that but i really just think it's on the offensive line uh to get there because i just don't think they they can't be like a a top eight right top eight is that's the threshold you win a national championship you got to be a top eight offense uh of plus right combined fei and sp plus to be that they're not doing that unless the o-line is like probably like an a minus or b plus at the very least because here's the thing, too. Like, you talked about the spring. Like, how good of springs are, like, Riley Mills and Howard Cross going to have? They're not coming back to have good springs, you know? Yeah. Like, it, it's it's like, are they getting whooped by, like, Gabe Rubio or, yeah. like, um, Booba Cartrail? Yeah. yeah, Jason Anya. Like, the guys like that. Because, like, Howard Cross, like, they don't need to do a lot of spring stuff. They just don't, right? So, like, to me, it's more about, like, how are they doing against those like second tier guys, right? Like Jordan Patelho, like he, he needs to have a good spring, right? He has a lot of stuff to work on. Josh Burnham, right? Is Josh Burnham dominating them? You know, that's a question. And and Matt McCarthy said Notre Dame still needs to hope a quality grad transfer offensive tackle is the portal. You can't like the, the odds at this point, right? Like whoever it was going to be, if it was going to happen, I think it already would happen. They already would have been in the portal. Like someone coming in, Post spring, it's possible. You know, Liz heard names, right? It's possible, but I, I just don't think not that likely. is 
it's yeah, like the the odds of it are just way way down. Like I think what they have is what they're going to have to go with, and that's the big question, right? Like I think if like if the offensive line is like a minus, then that bumps up the receivers too, right? Some some receiving cores like you can, they basically can mitigate like a poor offensive line. Some can. But some, like you, you got to give them time to get open, right? You got to, they got to have time there. And if Notre Dame doesn't have that, I mean, it's just like yesterday, right? Like Washington had a, had a bunch of, uh, you know, they had some opportunities for sure, but like they also weren't sure that they could really block Michigan. They had a bunch of short bubble screens and all that other stuff. Jalen Polk doesn't really do anything. Adunze had a good game, but not a great game. McMillan had the touchdown catch, but not really much else, right? Like, those are three really good wide receivers. That's one of the most explosive passing games in college football. And they couldn't get anything because they couldn't block those guys, right? So, um, it's just like the the receivers, to me, with a good offensive line, I I think they can be top four caliber. I do. But... Without a good offensive line, I, I don't think they're – I don't know that they're good enough to actually carry um, – kind of carry that, right? Like, I don't think they're like, oh, you know, we, we need to get, like, Bo Collins, like, one-on-one with, you know, top corner. And the same thing with Chris Mitchell. Like, these are guys that could do damage, but you got to help them out. you got to have time for them to uh, to do those things. Um, with Riley Leonard, like, I'm pretty confident that he is – playoff caliber like top four caliber i am you know i just think what he could like you like you said like all that stuff he could bring in the run game like that's so important right for any offense and especially this one like i just think people people look at it like like okay the legs but how does he throw it's like no the legs are super valuable and very important right he's a big thick kid too he's not slight so it's like I just think like that part of it is is like so big, not in terms of like like his NFL prospects. I don't really care. I don't care about his NFL prospects. How can he help Notre Dame? How can he help Notre Dame win games? And I think his legs are, are a big part of that. Um, going on the defense, Jamie. Like the defensive line. Okay, like Michigan is not set sixteen blitzes yesterday for Michigan. It's not a lot. Right. Especially when you consider like Washington ran probably around like 70, 80 plays. Okay. So like they're not blitzing a ton. Can can Notre Dame, can Notre Dame get there? Can Notre Dame do that with five or with four? It's just like, Hey, you, you can't block us. Alabama can't block us. Washington can't block. Washington won the Joe Moore award. They can't block us. Right, like can Notre Dame get to that point with the defensive line? Everyone's very excited about Howard Cross and Riley Mills coming back, and they should be right. They absolutely should be. But can there be like a situation where Notre Dame is like dominating teams up front with these guys, or does it need to be someone like Bubakar Traore, right, and and Josh Burnham taking a big leap? Like, is that what Notre Dame's hoping for up front? I think they absolutely need that. Is like you know you need. I mean, the one thing you could say with. Um, Notre Dame right now in the defensive line is I think there's several possibilities. They don't need as many things to go right as like when I mentioned the receivers. They don't need as many of these things to hit because a lot of things of them hit for them last year already, you know, right? And then you got Cross and Mills back, like you said. 
And Oban is a good – he's a good pass rusher. Like, he's going to help out <clears throat> immediately and be like – I would say, you know, at least JJB level pass rusher. Like, yeah. I think that's, um, you know, pretty uh, – it's a pretty safe bet that he'll do that. It's the Viper position where are you going to have – is Jordan Battello going to be healthy? And is he going to be able to – kind of be closer to the guy that he was before, you know, this, this past season when he was at the end of the um, 2022 season, can Burnham take that jump and be like another guy there. Treore, you mentioned like Treore, like is absolutely like, that's a guy that if Notre Dame, you're like, if you look at Notre Dame's pastors, take a jump, Treore has to be one of the big factors there because man, he is, one of the most talented edge rushers that Notre Dame has had since I've been doing this when they, and they've had, you know, a lot of dudes and guys who were playing in the NFL and he's more talented than all of them. He really is like it just in terms of raw talent and what he could be. That's the kind of thing. And then you have to see if like, can they get more from like, uh, some of these other guys that are coming up too, like, I don't, I don't know what, like a guy, like just randomly pick. I, do I think Armel Mukum's going to be like a big guy? Probably not, but maybe, you know, maybe he'll be like yeah. just out of the list of these guys who are like from the next thing or Gobera Gobera. I think if he's healthy, I think he really has a chance to be like one of these guys who, who all of a sudden during the season, other teams were like, where did this guy come from? Like, who is this guy? Because he really has that incredible first step that can really put him there. I mean, Brandon Vernon, that's the one thing I don't see Brandon Vernon is, is you know, Jason Smith mentioned that he's not, uh, I haven't seen anything from him as a pass rusher to think that he is going to be a dominant pass rusher. Now it's my biggest kind of question for me. I think he could be like a really, really, really high level player versus the run. I got to see more from him as a pass rusher. You got to see more from some of these other guys as pass rushers too. And, or a guy like Kahanukia, who do I know that he's, whatever, I have no idea what to expect from him. Could be a, but, a total wild card. <laughs> but he, if, if you told me at the end of spring, you're like, Kahanukia is going to start a Viper. I don't think I'd be shocked. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. cause I really, before, during his freshman year, there were big time signs that he was going to be a player. Like there were rumblings. There were definitely rumblings. And like, I very few guys that I, you know, when you go in August, when I, you know, I go there every August and get a chance to watch these guys, very few guys that have like really kind of like flashed in a way in, in that very first camp where you're like, Oh, this guy's just like, doing something where he's beating people that he's not supposed to beat in one-on-ones or something like that. You're like, it's like a 99.9% hit rate on those guys actually becoming players. So the question is just whether or not like he's ready to kind of do something as he just coming back from mission and all that kind of stuff. But I, I think he's going to be a factor this year. Like I, my, my prediction is he will be in the rotation this year and it's just kind of working it all out there um you know and rajon mentioned jason anye like 
I mean, I would have thought Jason Ogne was going to have a bigger year than he was going to have this season, but he kind of just showed too. He's still a guy who hasn't played a lot of ball, so he there's a lot of inconsistencies with his game. Physically, the guy is just a man child, right? So it's just can he put it all together, right? Can Gabriel Rubio stay healthy? All these kind of things, right? It's just like all that kind of stuff is going to work out. But I think talent wise, um, I mean, they're good on on the defensive line. Um, I will say someone brought it up on on IC Sport. What Notre Dame doesn't have is they don't have, like, if you look at Michigan, they got like a couple guys, like 320 ish inside. Yeah. That that's what Notre Dame doesn't have. And and really, that's what Notre Dame has struggled to kind of recruit and develop the most. Yeah. Uh, the 320 guy, right? Like, that's, you need that, right? Like, it, it's just important to have, especially when you can, you could just bottle up the middle, you know, the way that they can, right? And it's just, it's hard to find. And it's kind of, um, it's kind of the last piece, I guess, to a lot of D lines, right? Where it's like, like that's what they want Sean Civilano to be, right? Like it's, it, it's like you just want that last kind of part of a D line that's kind of like a cherry on top, um, and and like a cherry on top for your website, Tammy could be could be uh, a something like a, a VSR Media presenting you a, a video for your website or your 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 social media page. That's just like the last final piece of, of what you're looking to do uh, for your small business. And if you want to check something like that out, you that's uh, founded by Notre Dame football pregame host and Emmy award-winning anchor Vahid Saad Razadeh. VSR Media provides professional and cinematic video and photo. Whether you're looking for a collegiate or pro-level highlight reel, have a personal story to tell, or are aiming to diversify and grow your business, VSR Media specializes in short and long-form video storytelling, social media management, and website design. VSR Media also captures professional headshots, senior, and sports photos. Contact them at vsrmediacompany.com and mention Irish Sports Daily to receive 20% off your first project. Visit them online or give them a call at 574 800 9106. There was a comment here. Oh, uh, Sparks, I guess. S P R X R R K S. Do you all do Collins? So I'm, I'm, I'm kicking around the idea of Collins right now. I'm against it just because I don't know what people are going to say on the call. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it can kind of de. I think there is a place for it. So we're, we're monitoring. Well, I'm monitoring the, the call-in situation. It might happen. Uh, and, and we could do the voicemail the thing. We could do voicemail things. We could do that. So I'm, I'm kicking that around. I, I, I need to, I need to persever, um, kind of ruminate on that a little bit, you know, just, uh, just a little, just a little bit. Um, that's that's what we're looking at. Um, so, <clears throat> so we have the D line, right? It, it, the linebacker situation is interesting. There's it, just a ton of talent. It's like like uh, ranking talent, right? And you look at uh, Jalen Sneed. You look at Drake Bowen. You look at Jay Nosberg. Right, you have Jack Kaiser coming back. He's a fifth-year guy. Hopefully, wherever he needs to play, he can play. Um, you know, everyone kind of thinks Mike. I don't think that's going to happen, frankly. I think between Drake Bowen and the the KVA situation is just KVA that's is going to play this year. That is interesting. Hundred percent. That is interesting. He is good. He is really good. He's very good. Uh, so that's uh, that's something to monitor as well. Just kind of in the spring. 
uh, just went through the All-American game. He was basically a standout in every single practice, um, according to reports. So it, it, that's something to keep track of there. And it's kind of like you look at it and you think, well, how many spots are we actually talking about here, right? There's the, always talk about the rover. How often is Notre Dame in in rover? You know, like they're just they're just not right. They're always a nickel. They're they're a big nickel team, and that's that's where they're at. And so it's like if it's just for two spots, I just feel like Notre Dame's going to be they're going to at least have talent at that linebacker position. It's like guys who can play, have the size, have speed, uh, just really good football players, right? And so, you know, are they like championship caliber? I don't know. But it's kind of like if there's a position on the field that isn't like totally championship caliber, top four caliber, it is linebacker. They got to be able to just, in my opinion, they got to be able to just fit into what you're asking uh, from your defense. And then the, the kind of the big responsibility comes in places where Notre Dame is stronger, frankly. Well, what, what is your take on that? Well, I think with the linebacker, I could see it being um, because of the talent. I could the youth is why you think, and the inexperience is why you think. Like, I would say maybe like the first like third of the year, you could see a lot of ups and downs, and I think that is very normal. I think if you look back to like say Notre Dame's twenty nineteen linebacker situation if, if people recall that i mean especially that first week against uh louisville it, it was not a good uh week for the linebackers in that week you remember people recall asmar Bilal, who obviously had played but hadn't played much at, at, at will linebacker you know did not have a good game a Cormoy made flashy plays but he also had some horrible run fits in the game drew white had a couple missed tackles in that game it was not a good thing for the linebackers and as the season went on it became a strength and that became like oh they're good at linebacker now right so um i think i could see like almost like a similar trajectory for the linebackers where you're like man you see some of these like mistakes early because that's what you see from guys that are younger right you see like poor run fits you see just you know bad block destruction like these kind of things happen you know, for younger guys, because they haven't played as much, whatever. That's just, it, it's different when you see, um, you know, like how J.D. Bertrand became an infinitely better blitzer in his last year because he just, I don't know if it was just film study or whatever, his just, the timing of his blitzes were yeah. so much better. And he became so much more disruptive because of that. And obviously you saw with Maris too, was like a way better blitzer last year too right and that is like experience you know ends up being a big part of that so i guess the question is is like is there going to be like growing pains how big are those growing pains going to be early and also who are going to win the jobs like who's going to win it because i really think it's kind of wide open there um like you know jack kaiser will play what where is he going to play is he going to start and like start the whole season because i don't think it's like a a done deal that he's like a for sure starter the whole season and probably but not a hundred percent to me 
And then it's like Jalen Sneed. Could Jalen Sneed be a linebacker? Or is he just a sub-package piece? Yeah. And probably a better sub-package piece than he was this year. But it would be a big deal if he could actually play linebacker. And to me, he's not close to that yet. And he really needs a he, uh, that's a guy who's absolutely needs a big spring. And I mean, I could see like Bowen coming out and like establishing himself as like, man, this is the mic and all this. And I could see KVA all of a sudden you're like KVA is going to play. And all of a sudden maybe KVA mid season or a couple games of the season, you're like KVA starting like that could all happen. So to me, it's like the biggest enigma of like what could happen there. But talent wise, like, I don't even know if Jaden Osbury might not lead the team of tackles next year, right? right like right. It, it's very wide open. It's very wide open. And, and I'm interested to see how all these guys, you know, physically and technically develop. It's one of the more fascinating positions, like going into the spring and coming out of spring and in the fall and everything, like how that's all going to get sorted. Cause like you said, a ton of talent, a ton of like physical traits, for just a couple spots. So that's going to, that's going to be interesting to monitor. Um, and then the secondary, you know, I, I think there's, so Rod heard, there was an update, uh, the transfer DB from Northwestern. Christian had an update on him. I, I suggest everyone goes to the Irish, Irish sports daily.com uh, message board. Check that out. It's still posted up there. Um, that read pretty positive to me. Just, just his, the way that the way that Christian writes the way, I was looking for some some keywords, some flash words from him, and it's that sounds pretty positive to me. So I, I'm I'm personally feeling pretty good about Rod Hurd and him ending up at Notre Dame. If he ends up in the secondary, to me, you talked about it with Mike on Power Hour yesterday. I, I think he's a safety for sure. Uh, I think you're right. I think he played nickel as a, as just someone who needed to play nickel. I think he's going to be a safety. I think he works really well next to um, Xavier Watts, right? And I think they needed that. I think they needed just kind of like a, a second guy there. And then you can bring along someone like uh, like uh, Adon Schuler, right? Who I think they like. And I, I like yeah. his physical traits, but he's just got a lot to learn there for, for the position. It takes a little bit. Um, so I think I think uh, I think that's going to solidify things there. It's very interesting to me what Notre Dame wants to do with nickel, because. They brought in Jordan Clark. Okay. I, I think you could play the position, right? Um, but in my opinion, the, the question that I have is like that they're not, I don't think they want Jaden Mickey at nickel. And he's been playing the field. So, like, who would you rather have out there in nickel? If 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 you think like who's better? On the field there, is it is it better to have like Jaden Mickey out there or is it better to have Jordan Clark out there? Because to me, Christian Gray is is a starter. I, I don't know how he doesn't start next year. I don't. But I also think like he, if anyone's going to be inside, it's it would rather be him or would rather be Jordan Clark. Like he has to be out there, right? So to me, it's like, is it better to have Christian Gray to the field and Jordan Clark at nickel, or is it better to have Jaden Mickey at field and Christian Gray at nickel? Like to me, that's the question. Obviously, Ben Morrison is on the boundary, and that's where he's going to be, right? So that 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 to me is is the ultimate kind of how where, where does Notre Dame want to go there, right? That's the question. Um, I, I think Morrison, I think Morrison and Gray are going to be awesome. I I think they're going to be really really good. Um, 
And also there's Clarence Lewis, right, that CFB Hertz is asking for. But, like, Notre Dame was wanting to play Clarence Lewis, then you, you wouldn't really need to go out and get Jordan Clark, right? So um, where, where are you at with that whole conversation, Jamie? Um, I mean, I would say right now that I would lean towards Jordan Clark being the starting nickel um, and that I would think that – I kind of think that they will just keep Mickey outside and – just keep him there and just be like, he'll be an outside corner and that's it. Like he's going to be a field corner basically. Yeah. And, um, and I, I do think that gray, it'll be gray. And uh, as of right now, I would say, I just, I think just Christian Gray is just too talented. I just think he's going to be a starter, uh, yeah. you know, or the very minimum split the position or whatever. And like, I, but I would say that at nickel, I think it'll be Clark. But, I, I mean, I'm not sleeping on, like, Micah Bell mm. being someone who plays at nickel this year, right? Because, to me, he is a guy that, like, he has the um, – because they've recruited well enough at, like, outside corner, they can ca- kind of groom him to be just a nickel and just be, like, that nickel player – first you know that uh specific spot this whole time and i mean to me he's he's one of these like weirdly uh no one's talking about him but i'm almost the most excited to kind of see him in the spring to kind of see where he's at because i think he is a perfect fit there athletically and you know, you had that whole thing with uh, with John Crawford when you interviewed him talking about those running backs who became yeah. whatever and the physicalities with it. Um, obviously, had to, I mean, it was with garbage time at the end of the thing, but he had a nice little blitz at the end of uh, uh, the, the bowl game as well. But I just really like his potential there. Um, and he's such a just a fantastic athlete. So, um I mean, to me, he's a very much a dark horse there. And I think Clarence Lewis, I really hope that Clarence Lewis is just still there because I just think it's valuable to have a guy like that around and still just also just be like uh, like a veteran guy there because they're pretty young. Like yeah. Yeah. Ben Morrison, yeah. I know Ben Morrison is, you know, he's started two years and he's going to be a high pick and whatever, but it's like, they're young. It's like X Watts and him are like the old guys in the room now, right? Like they don't have a lot, which is also too why bringing in Clark and bringing in Hurd, because even though they're not like old in the system, it's guys who just like have like little, little tricks of the trade, kind of like little things that they see that they can help and help teach some of the younger guys. That stuff is so important, especially to me at DB, because there's just so many little things that like, uh, I mean, I don't want to call it cheating, but it is cheating, you know, to, to just grabbing guys a certain way and having it not get called and all this, right? Like there's a lot of these like little savviness that goes with it that help makes you that you don't do uh, or you do incorrectly as a young yeah. guy that you learn to do better as, a, as an older guy who's played more and to have those guys around, I think that's valuable, right? Which is why I always think it's like it's always a good thing to bring in DBs in the portal because it's just like you can just 
absorb and, 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 and have that and bring that along with you. And you know that they know how to handle like route combinations and yeah. things of that. You know, like that, cause that really matters. And, and like, to your point though, about like an experienced guy, like Ben Morrison's been in the program for three years, right? Like obviously he has a ton of experience, but he doesn't have the type of experience that Clarence Lewis has. Like Clarence Lewis has gone through like the ups and downs of being like a Notre Dame football player in the secondary, right? Ben Morrison doesn't know any of that. Like, oh, I showed up and I was awesome. And I'm, and I've been the guy for this entire time. <laughs> like, I don't, I can't, what, what, how can he help like a Don Schuler go through stuff or like Micah Bell, yeah. right? Like he, he doesn't know. Right. But Clarence Lewis does. Right. So and same with Xavier Watts. Like that's why, you know, that's why it's so big that obviously Xavier Watts is a great player, but it's also big from, from a, you know, a leadership standpoint. I mean, Xavier Watts is going to be a captain next year, like hundred percent. Yeah. So like, it's just that, that's why like guys like that are invaluable to the program. Same thing with Jack Kaiser, by the way, like it's, it's the same kind of like, just like, Hey, you, you can young player can go to him and be like, Hey, I don't know how I feel about X thing. Like what, 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 tell me how it was for you. And it's like, he can talk about that. Right. Um, that's why it's important to have guys like Kaiser and Lewis come around who, or hang around where it's like, they can, they can help me get, get through things. Right. And it's not just their utility as a football player, but also as a, as a leader on the team and being a part of, of, of the group there. Uh, Clarence Lewis had to, had to defend uh, Devonte Smith in the college football play. Yeah. Like, he's been around a while. Yeah. He's been around a while. Right. So I think it's just, it, it, you know, and the one thing is too, is that like, cause the guy get cooked by Alec Pierce or, you know, he get beat by Drake Lynn, by the way, guys who are cooking guys in the NFL right now. They're, they're um, players. Yeah. Like he's a good football player. He's just, he's not elite at the kind of level, whatever. Obviously there's a difference between him and a guy like Ben Morrison, but a lot of guys, it, Clarence Lewis could start on a lot of Power Five football teams. He could and then and but, then you put him in the bowl game, and it's like uh, we'll put in Clarence Lewis, right? Like Thomas yeah. Harper, like like there's a yeah. better better option, but then Thomas Harper opts out, and it's like oh, we'll put in Clarence Lewis, and it'll be all right, you know. And it was so um, that's kind of a big deal. Another part to this with Notre Dame 2024, we're going to end it with this is like the schedule sets up good for them, right? Like some of these teams that are going to the Big Ten. Right. Like USC's schedule is a bear. Like Michigan's schedule is tough now. Right. They're, 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 it, there's not going to be a bunch of undefeated teams at the top of college football in 2020. I don't think That's so. Just, there's, it's just not set up that way. Right. It's going to set up completely different. Right. So I think the schedule sets up really well for Notre Dame, which is obviously, a, you know, a, a big factor in how these how these things turn out. Jamie, yeah. I think we could leave it there. Uh, that was a good show. Good to be back. Happy to be back doing the shows. Happy to be back. We're going to be back with a regular schedule for the foreseeable future. Um, so thank you, everyone, for tuning in. If this is your first time catching us, please subscribe to the channel. Please hit the like button. Please hit the notification bell so you know whenever it is. We are going live. Links to the podcast are in the description below. I didn't do this to start the show, Jamie. A little, little rusty. A little rusty. I got I to gotta, I gotta lock it in for uh, as we go forward. So we'll be back Thursday um talking about something maybe we could do a mailbag maybe it's a yeah. good time to do a mailbag show jamie so we'll do a mailbag on thursday we'll put the link out for the isd subscribers on our message board so if you want to ask a question subscribe to uh irisportsdaily.com it's really good content really good stuff coming uh have a good day everyone we'll talk to you soon keep hitting and hustling